On this day, the 17th of September, we stand tall as Lord Vassal resides over his domains of the card, dice, and boards. My many flock to his side. We are united beyond the reach of the shadow that the dice tower casts over the masses. We alone stand tall to deliver an unbiased review to all our loyal gamesmen and games ladies and the hobby that we hold so dear. So when the lord of the cardboard throne came forth with his game in hand, we were prepared to destroy him and expose the tyrant for what he truly is. But what happened once we played it? Stay with us, loyal gamers, as today we review nothing personal. Dude, how much of those audiobooks have you been listening to? I don't know, like about 50 hours or something. You definitely got the Game of Thrones down. Uh, hold thy tongue, dog! Oh, damn, man. You're... Yeah, I gotta stop it. Welcome to Board Gamers Anonymous, a podcast about gamers and the insane fun we have at the table together. This week, we are talking about nothing personal, along with Smash Up, Suburbia, Courier's Quartifax Expansion, and Citadels. I am Anthony, take your turn, Clickano. Hey, yo, I'm Chris, cut your losses, Meepolini. This is Dan, the caster, Dicelini. And this is Kim, the kiss of death, Cadoni. God, those are terrible. Wow, yes. Yeah, <laughs> I'm so sorry. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Our apologies to everybody. <laughs> hey, look, just forget about it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. I will give you $2 if you don't do that for the rest of the movie. <laughs> I'll give you $10 if you do it every time. I'll give you all the dollars if we could stop right now. <laughs> Deal. <laughs> all right, guys, welcome to episode five. It is September 17th. And, uh, as you might have guessed, we are talking about nothing personal this week. Um, before we get there, I just wanted to give a shout out to uh, some of our new listeners. We've got people all over now, not just in New York and New Jersey. This is actually kind of cool. We logged on. I saw people in um, California and Canada, out in Washington. Got somebody in Chile, a couple in the UK. Represent. Yep. <laughs> hey, how you doing? <laughs> I, I have nothing to base this on, but I'm definitely taking credit for the people in Canada. All right. I don't know. I'm huge there. Are you? Are you? Yeah, why not? You have a secret fan base in Canada. I visited once. I can only assume that they remembered my voice. Wait a minute. Isn't your girlfriend from Canada the one we never never met? Definitely. You could. <laughs> we Dan don't talk about her anymore. Dan has secrets, guys. <laughs> but yeah, definitely. Thanks for listening. And uh, you know, if you haven't yet, give us a rating. Just pop us an email and a review. We want to hear how we're doing. We want to get your feedback on everything. Hey, so let's get started, all right? I, th I thought we decided we weren't going to do that anymore. Hey, I promise nothing. I gave you all my dollars. He gave all the dollars. Exactly. Uh. <laughs> all right, guys, so we are one week closer to the Extra Life event on November 2nd, and we are bringing things together pretty quickly here. I uh, just want to run through some of what we have planned and uh, what we're working on. Yeah, so we're putting together our team or our gang together for the event so we'll actually have uh, our 25 hours at myriad games at 1650 richmond avenue staten island new york so there's still time to sign up for the event we'll have sign up sheets available at myriad games you can also contact us through our facebook page to get more information on how you can join us and make a donation through the Ex extra life charity um, we're putting together people for 
um, sponsoring hours of the games. So if there's a game that you really want to play, especially a game that plays over a number of hours and you just never got a chance to go to the table, this is a great opportunity because since we'll be there for 25 hours, you'll probably get maybe one game of Twilight Imperium in or a Game of Thrones, which tends to last a couple of hours, or Rune Wars. That yeah, might I mean, be fun. We definitely got to get a Rune Wars. And the other thing that's going to be really good about this is if there's a game you've been thinking about learning how to play but you've never really been sure, you can't get your group together for it, maybe no one in your group owns it, be a great chance to come on down, check it out, see it played, jump in the table. It gives you a nice opportunity to actually like spread your gaming, you know, options instead of sticking to the three things you always play. Yeah, yeah. And we're working on a lot of stuff. We have a lot of you know things in, in the works, um, some plans that we're still working on. But there's gonna be a lot of surprises too. So there'll be a lot of gaming, obviously. But you know, we're gonna try to have a raffle. We're working on an auction. We're working on uh, getting some special guests in. Um, we might even be recording that day if you want to come see us record uh, semi-live. So it's going to be a lot of cool stuff. It's like it's going to be a big event, and it's it's all for a great cause. So it's definitely worth coming out. Check it out. And I can't wait to see how we look around like hour 18 and hour 20. <laughs> That's yeah, right. going to be fantastic. <laughs> yeah, if you guys want to come in and see us like completely exhausted, because we're not even starting at like the zero hour. We're probably starting like three hours before that. Yeah. So, like, welcome to the Fever Dream podcast where we do things with pieces of stuff. I just want to go home and go to bed. <laughs> Why am I not eating pancakes yet? <laughs> Who's bringing pancakes? Send pancakes. <laughs> Nobody said pancakes. So probably by an hour 20, we'll be yelling at the meatballs. Why aren't they moving? <laughs> but it's going to be great, though. Like I said, my, I think the best option for this is going to be for people to meet others outside of their gaming group, come try out new things. And we can't wait to see you guys there. Yeah. And if you are not in the New York, New Jersey area and you want to contribute or just keep up with things, uh, follow us on Twitter or Facebook. We're going to be posting everything there. Uh, YouTube, too. So you can... Follow along. You can be involved. You can donate. That would be fantastic. And um, just you know, keep up to date with what's going on with this event. And if anyone has a game that they would like to suggest via online, if they're not in the area and they want a game played and get our opinion on it, send us a message on Twitter, Facebook. Let us know what you want to see. Yeah, absolutely. And um, every week we're gonna have updates because we got like six weeks left, five weeks left. So uh, this will be coming together quickly. Lots of information. And we're expecting a pretty large turnout. So for the board game designers and producers out there. And all those publishers, if they want us to get a game out there to a large group of people, be able to broadcast it, be able to review it, this would be a great time to get that that word out as well. Absolutely. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, keep an eye on that because um, we're, we're getting really excited. It's, it's going to be a lot of fun. Oh, man, I can't wait. And on another uh, short event note, of course, there is the Seven Wonders Tournament at Myriad coming up for anybody in the New York, New Jersey area. Uh, it's the last Sunday of September, um, so it's coming up real quick. If you... Enjoy Seven Wonders and want to pop in and play with us, we'll be there. And if you've never played, uh, you should come and you'll probably win. That seems to be how it works. We can even dicks it. Yeah, that seems to be that. <laughs> well, I own that game, so clearly I would not be winning. Yeah. Yeah, right. I invite everyone to come and fight for second place because I'm coming in first. <laughs> <laughs> yep, we do. Everybody here has very little experience except for Chris, so it should be 1, 2, 3, 14. No, I have to. I have to be just at the level where I don't make the final table. You could get because yeah. it's, it's not. It's not as sour if that doesn't happen. I have dubbed that term uh, the Simmons Spotlight, where you're exactly <laughs> one spot away from what it takes to be in the finals. <laughs> I'm gonna patent that. I'm going. To. <laughs> <Urban Dictionary. laughs> you All heard right. it here first. Yeah, and you will hear it many more times. Oh yeah. <laughs> All right, so that's the last Sunday. That's the uh, 29th of September. Um, also, very recently, in another tournament news. Yeah, uh, for once, I did not get the Simmons Spotlight. I got the Spotlight 
Heroclix tournament. It was the fear itself, sealed, constructed. I have played Heroclix for about 18 minutes prior to that tournament. Decided to give it a try, see what was it like. And somehow I actually got second place, won an Odin miniature, which apparently is worth several tens of thousands of dollars <laughs> from what we gather. And traded it off to a friend of mine who seems to really appreciate it. So Andrew can now run rampant with the power of a god. And I got myself a couple of the guys that have the Thor hammers, which again is from a comic series that I still have to Wikipedia to catch up on. But it was awesome to play. <laughs> yeah, every every single character you guys bring out, I'm like, I have no idea who that is. Yeah, and I've read <laughs> comics. It's not like I'm coming from nowhere. It's just there's so many of these things. Yeah, I'm looking at Hero Clicks. I'm like, this looks cool. This looks cool. This looks even cooler. And that was all I used to make my team. <laughs> Apparently, that is the strategy to use. Well, the one thing I like is Hero Clicks is a base miniature combat. Um, each hero will have multiple powers that the clicks will tell you what they use. So the game is actually a little easier to play than I anticipated, but my favorite part, hands down, one power is called probability control. You force rerolls. And if there's one thing I love, is that random chaos element. So every time it's like, hey, I hit your guy, reroll. <laughs> I'm attack, you missed, reroll. <laughs> yeah, but now I can shut you down with my new Bioshock Infinite Hero Clicks. Um, Elizabeth and Booker DeWitt can actually stop all that so i think it's kind of broken but it's pretty cool yeah and what's awesome is the name of the power is like masters of their own fate nice. which ties in awesomely to the video game yeah that's fantastic i just love that you can play bioshock infinite versus street fighter versus marvel versus whoever doesn't really matter yeah and speaking of the street fighter the best thing is the way that i learned to play the game our friend mike miley who, by the way, also makes an amazing capo in Nothing Personal. <laughs> <laughs> Literally the best. Yeah. He taught me how to play, and it was great. Like, he made it, it was very intuitive. He showed me even easier ways of transitioning and how to get a little more strategy going on. So I was really thankful to him. I want to say, Mike, it's because you I won, man. What's awesome that I heard about is WizKids is coming out with Batman, the classic TV series Heroclix. So... Everyone who is a fan of the old Adam West Batman, they'll be able to play as the Joker. And what's cool is they actually have like um, this little thing coming out of him, and it's a zap. And other ha and other characters have like pow and bang, and like just like old comic booky. It's really awesome. And um, by the time this thing, this podcast comes out, it'll probably already be out. September 18th is the release date, unless they change it, hopefully not. But um, I can't wait for that. That's going to be awesome. Yeah, and uh, I mean, speaking of miniature combat games, one of the things that I saw is Crossmasters Arena has three more character packs available. They got the Earth and Winds pack, Close Quarters, and the Goldhard Control. It's finally one of the packs that shows a new model scale. Most of the other packs, it's just, you know, recolor a different hat or a different weapon or whatever. So this is one of the first new, totally new sculpts, which looks pretty good. And all these things are available on miniaturemarket.com. And it's not too bad. The Normally Crossmasters is $28 a pack. So you're looking at over $80 if you want to get all three. But you go to Miniature Market, it's only 60 It's a pretty good deal. Yeah, it's a huge drop. Yeah, that's definitely where I'm going to go to hit these up. So. And you can't find those anywhere else, right? Yeah, I mean, it's this one of the things that sells out really quick you look at it you think it's simple and you're like oh well who really is buying it those numbers fly off the shelf pretty fast so i would definitely say go online and put an order in now miniaturemarket.com we're not sponsored by them yet but we're hoping and now it's time for acquisition disorder corner what's got our eyes this week guys 
All right, there's a lot of great stuff coming out, uh, or just recently came out that we've got our eye on. Um, I know one that I've seen around Myriad a lot. Uh, a few people have been playing it. A couple people picked it up recently. Is Takenoko. Uh, Chris, you were just telling me about this, you know, today, I think. Yeah, I had an opportunity on uh, Sunday night. Our friend Andrew broke that out. And uh, it's really a fun, great game by Anton Bauza. And if you've ever played um, Tokaido, you probably have a good familiarity with what this game is like. The game is based upon um, the Chinese emperor giving a panda to the Japanese emperor. And as a player, you have to provide the panda with bamboo and the best living environment. So you get a weather die, weather die which you roll, and depending on where the, the die ends up, you'll be able to do a special power and ability. You also get um, different abilities that you can do to benefit the panda. So there is um, watering certain areas, placing tiles, growing bamboo, and actually moving the panda to eat the bamboo. Now, this all adds up because you actually have victory point cards. So some of the victory point cards are based upon how certain lands are laid out, how many stalks of bamboo have been grown, how many pieces of bamboo has been eaten by the panda. So it's a lot of different ways to score points. Really quick, really easy, um, kind of cartoony, um, has great artwork, a lot of fun. You can play with a lot of different ages. Quick question. Um, you mentioned the dice that you would roll for the weather condition. Is it almost like garden dice or flashpoint, or is it totally different system? Yeah, you just have this one wooden die where it has like it has a sun, it'll have wind, it'll have rain. Oh, okay. So it's symbols, not a. All right, cool. Yeah, and, and that die gives lets you do something different each time. So if you get wind, you'll be able to use your ability twice. If you get sun, you'll get to use an extra ability. So it's a lot of fun. That sounds pretty awesome. This is going to sound like a weird question, but can you kill other players' pandas? Why would you do that? I'm just wondering. What is wrong with you? How do you win? you got to eliminate the competition. Well, it's a victory point game, and what you're looking to do is whoever gets seven victory point cards completed first gets a little emperor card, which is worth two points, and then everyone finishes that round, and whoever has the most victory points wins. So you can't just so eliminate no murder. them. We they can't mass murder. Like a, wow, like a, I'm totally calling PETA on you I'm now. Sorry. They should make it like a, they should do almost like a pandemic expansion where somebody is trying to get the panda eliminated so they're even more extinct. You know, this way their panda is worth that much more later on in the next game. You guys are dark. Yeah. <laughs> or it should be like outbreak when the monkey spreads the disease. You got one panda that just spreads the disease, and you got to find that one panda. Wow. Well, well, way too many dark games for you people. <laughs> Have you guys played Takaya? Not even a little. Nope. It's like a game about sightseeing and eating sushi. <laughs> it's pretty much. Well, that's why you should get the game, man, so we can finally get a chance to play it. And what's really fun is there's a really obscenely ornate version with giant pandas, giant bamboo stalks, which you can also get. It comes at a pretty fancy price tag, but it's a lot of fun. Is that you, out yet? I think so. pre-order I know a couple weeks ago. It was like big wooden box, right? Definitely. Yeah. Do you actually stack the bamboo up and everything? You do, and it's pretty tall. I think... Uh, I want to play it. The, <laughs> the Watch It Play series is actually playing through it right now. Oh, and awesome. they have the big, the, big, the big set. And we can get Nick, because it's bamboo, not wheat. <laughs> <laughs> I want it. There's no gluten. <laughs> it's a gluten-free game. Sounds awesome, man. Um, I mean, for me, like, uh, I'm definitely looking at this game Masquerade. It's from Asmodee Games, who also did Spirium, and I can't wait to get that. Um, it sounds pretty interesting. It's like you're attending a... It's in the Renaissance, and you're attending a party. You have, like, an identity card that you hide from other players, but there's bluffing elements. You can fake that you're another person. So if you know, like, you're the king or something, like, I haven't gotten to get full detail in the game, but say you know who you are, you can fake that you're someone else... And someone can call your bluff 
In which case, then you're out. It's but if you are who you claim, then they're eliminated. You can use an action to switch cards with other people. It sounds pretty fun, and it plays pretty quick. It's only about like a half hour game. So I like the idea of like another one of those fillers. Like I'm loving these quick games that we get to get in while we're waiting for the next round of nothing personal, or you know you're waiting another hour for someone to finish out Takenoko or something. It's pretty good for games like that. So this is definitely something that's been on my radar. Yeah, I heard a lot of people comparing it to kind of Citadel's kind of style game, you know, like an expansion of that whole hidden role type thing. And you know I've been playing that a little bit lately. We're gonna talk about it later, but that alone has me interested. Also, the short, like, it's quick, right? So yeah, 30 minutes makes it even more enticing just to toss in the... Uh, yeah, and it sounds like uh, sounds like simple components. Like, it's not a loaded box. You're not dishing out tons of pieces. So sometimes it's nice to play those, like, smaller surface area games, too. I have a, a cool question. What would happen if Quarriers and Magic the Gathering had a baby? I would be poor in about an hour. Well, this is my acquisition disorder, which pretty much will put us in the poorhouse. Um, the, there is going to be a Marvel Dice Masters. It works like Warriors, and it's a two-player game, and you build up your team, and it's Marvel, Marvel characters, and I th- believe they're actually doing X-Men also. I mean, Avengers. Yeah, the Avengers vs. X-Men Avengers vs. X-Men, yeah, so that should be awesome. Um, the starter set will probably have, like, about 44 dice, two dice bags, and then they're going to have an expansion, which this is going to make it even worse, 60 dice, but it's all random. Great. Oh, my God. So I'm just going to take a wild stab here. This is WizKids. Oh, yeah. Yeah, of course. It's like, they're not they making enough They want all money. of our money. Oh. <laughs> this will be coming out December 4th. So at least oh, great. Christmas time. Yeah, I was gonna say at least Christmas it's not close time. to any holidays where you have to worry about saving money for your families and loved ones. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hey, look, I got you some dice building game components. Oh, you don't want them? I'll just take those back. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Ma. Don't go <laughs> What do you mean you don't like the Avengers? Well, I'm just gonna take them if you're so ungrateful. <laughs> it was for you. I don't know. <laughs> oh, but I also have to mention uh, Cryptozoic is making a Archer board game. Yeah, uh, we saw that. There's no details on it yet, but it's Archer. I mean, you can't go wrong with that as long as Cryptozoic doesn't do their usual art style to the game. Yeah, I mean, let's hope and assume that it's going to be Archer art style. And then somehow, I guess, hopefully they can translate that. Because a lot of the humor in that show is the delivery of the lines, you know. How do you translate that to cards or whatever? Yeah, to a board game. I don't know, but... I'm curious, man. Like, you know, between that and they're also doing the Adventure Time card game, Quintuzovic has some good stuff on the future. Yeah, they're getting a lot of good IPs. Oh, I can't wait for the Adventure Time. I want to be the pig. (laughs) (laughs) We we have our wheat wars. Yeah. Corn wars. Oh, yeah, corn wars. That's what it was. Oh, no, it's called card wars, but I thought Jake said corn wars. Now, I mean, this week I definitely have to mention the new uh, X-Wing stuff that came out, Wave 3. Anybody who's playing X-Wing's probably seen them. And, uh, get my shout out here before they sell out since every wave sells out before anybody can pick them up but um so i think there's four new ones we've got a uh, tie bomber uh, the lambda shuttle which is the big expansion the 30 dollars one uh the b-wing and then the uh, hwk 290 which you know looks awesome so forget the boring name um a lot of new stuff there uh haven't played with them yet so i can't give you a review i just know it's x-wing these are amazing models it's fantasy flight it's a lot of new weapons and you know, ways to customize your ships coming in there. Um, I saw a couple of them the other day. Somebody at the store had just picked them up, and he was opening them up. 
and they, they look gr as great as always for Fantasy Flight. So uh, that's definitely on my radar very soon. Yeah, what was the name of that one? The Lambda Shuttle or something? Yeah, it's I think it's the one that shuttles the uh, Emperor around. Yeah, the um, one of the guys at the store was picking that thing up. It looks awesome when it's folded out. It's I mean, these are decent-sized models. I, I like what the size of what they're giving you for the price. And uh, we also got a TIE Bomber on the way. It should be in the mail shortly. Yeah, so. gotta love the TIE Bombers. Yeah, man, anything that goes with Vader's side, I'm in. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about that, but, you know. <laughs> as long as the bad guys win, I'm happy. Uh, this is a natural balance we have here. Yeah, pretty much. So, Chris, Anthony, I gotta ask you guys. Out of the miniature games, which is better, Star Trek or Star Wars? I mean, I'm a Star Wars guy. It's gotta be Star Wars. Oh, it's gotta be Star Trek. Have you not seen the prequels, man? I mean, just look at the minis. Just the quality difference. You've got the character. It's just, it's so much better on the Star Wars side. Yeah, but with the tech, when you have a full crew, you have all these scenarios, you have these additional play pieces, it adds a lot more flavor to the game. And it takes like four hours. But it's a lot more flavor. All right, let me ask you guys this. Does the game work on a similar system? Yeah, pretty much exactly the same. All right, so why don't you guys duke it out, and then we'll finally find out once and for all who's better. I suppose we could do that. I think so. Although I think we know where Dan's going to go. Yeah. Battlestar. Star. Battle <laughs> <laughs> the Galactic is just going to fly in the world. Do I have to say earmuffs? Because I didn't finish that. <laughs> Someone's jealous he doesn't have little miniature fly guys. That's the ultimate fanfic. <laughs> I'm sorry, guys. Star Trek and Star Wars are not quite dark enough for me. <laughs> There's still people alive at the end of those movies. So. Wait, people die in Battlestar? What? Spoilers! <laughs> All right, and there's one more thing I wanted to mention real quick is um, I picked up, because it was just on sale, I saw it at Barnes & Noble uh, yesterday, it was a Battles of Westeros, which is a Battle Lore game, and I only mention it because Battle Lore 2.0 is coming out I don't know, in a month or two, so now I'm going to learn the first system, we're going to get that, and we get to learn the new system, so... Because I'm going to get that. We've got three months of Battle Lore coming up. Why are you ruining our pockets? I, did, I bought that, so... <laughs> I took I took one hit. It's gonna not have any money by the time it comes to Christmas. I know. The one thing I feel really bad about though is some guy that looks a lot like me is gonna probably steal that <laughs> on Sunday. Because the fact that it's Game of Thrones miniature combat that sounds awesome. Yeah, yeah. I saw it sitting on the clearance shelf and I was like, "There's no way this is still here." And actually, they still have two sitting there too on the shelves. What? Don't so. tell him that. <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> no, I already have it now. We'll pop it yeah, out. Yeah, sure. I mean, I was digging through the book. It's like 40 pages. It's like Rune Wars book. This is gonna take some time. But yeah, I mean, it, it's Fantasy Flight, so it has yeah. that same theme. But oh my God, the board looks good. The components, so many. This is like many miniatures as Rune Wars too. It's 138 minis. It's not too bad. It's... Yeah, and then there's some leaders, and it's just Stark versus Lannister. Yeah. But um, I think there's a Baratheon House expansion too, which is another sixty bucks, and I'm not going to get that Pass. right now. But um... <laughs> I think there's actually a House Tully too. That's the thing we saw in Myriad Games. Yeah, yeah there's, there's a few expansions. There's like many expansions that go with these two houses. So there's a couple. I think there's like Wardens of the Rock or something like that for Lannisters, and there's the Tullys for the Starks. Um, so there's a few like that. But anyways. Great game, leading into Battle Lore 2.0, and uh, obviously we have way too much to play. So let's let's get to the stuff we did play and what we think of it. At the table this week. Um, I finally got a chance to break out Quarters again. I haven't played that game in a long time, but we decided to play Quarters with the Quarterfax expansion. 
Now, Quarriors is a dice building game where instead of your usual deck builder, you're buying dice. So there's a little bit more of a randomness to it because you're not guaranteed your results when you go. But in the game of Quarriors, you're standardly attacking other players every turn, and that's how you score your glory points. You destroy your opponent's creatures, they survive to the beginning of your turn, you get your points. Quartifacts adds a lot more to the game. They actually have quests now that you can send your creatures on. And it's almost like a battle arena. Instead of you only attacking when it's your turn, anytime the creatures go in there, they're just duking it out. At the beginning of your turn, instead of scoring like you normally would, you have to have a certain level of creatures inside of that zone. If you do, you score an amount of quest points based on the quest you have, and you get a special die that's associated to that quest. And these things give you huge bonuses. You might be getting four extra quiddy. You might be getting to draw three additional dice from your bag to roll for the next turn, giving you a huge edge. You can even get special weapons that are unique to only these quest dice. It's pretty nice because it gives a little more strategy to the game. Before when you played, you know, we have all the expansions, so there's like lock monsters and new creatures, but it was always like, I swing at you, you swing at me, nothing exciting. With the quest now, it's a little more strategy to a game that relied a little bit more on luck in the past. So you get to feel a little more spread on the game. It's definitely fun. You know, it's such a different take on the whole deck building model, but it's, you know, it's familiar and easy if you've only ever played card deck building games. You know, and there's a lot of people now who are kind of taking on that whole dice building aspect, but, you know, they did it first. And uh, this uh, this ex particular expansion, I think, is one of those kind of necessary ones. Like, once an expansion hits, and then you're just like, it needs to be in the game all the time, because it just adds that element that, you know, honestly... Vanilla Quarriers was always a little like, okay, it's fun, but I don't feel, I don't feel the urge to play it multiple times at once. Yeah, exactly. Like we would play a game of Quarriers and that was it. This one, we've actually played a couple of games in a row, which was nice because everyone felt like, oh, wait, that's what that dice does. Oh well, I got to start doing that quest now. And if they didn't get to secure that dice in their game, they wanted to play again just to roll the golden dice or just to roll the demon dice. So it was pretty nice for that. Um, personally, I mean, I've always liked Quarriers. That little bit of randomness gives it a fun edge and new players have a good chance with that it's not like it's set in stone who's going to do what so new players get to adapt strategies the quarterfact expansion is definitely a must buy when you get this game i would say you should definitely check this game out and if you have quarriers without a doubt quarterfacts is a must buy yeah i mean i would go the exact same thing if i would put quarriers on the play to buy list i don't think it's a must buy for me the base game but if if say I had the base game, or if you did, you know somebody I know did, I would say absolutely buy Quartifax because it makes the game that much better. Yeah, definitely the Quartifax expansion for me at least makes the game. Uh, as Dan was saying, you know you play Quarriors like oh that was kind of interesting. You get to see these little tiny dice, and you kind of did the same thing each turn. But the Quartifax adds so much flavor, so much life. Those big chunky dies that you get to use, and adds really a, a new dimension to the game. And it's just. I guess fun to say all those warrior qua kind of names. Yeah. It's like the quest for the holy quail and Excalibur. Ex it's, it's quaffle. It's totally quaffle. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's puncast material. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> so for me, that's if you can pick up the expansion with the base set, that's a buy. Yeah, absolutely. I, yeah, definitely try it out. But I wouldn't try the game out without the Quartifax expansion because I think it adds so much to the game and it's not going to be hard for a new player to pick up that that's really something you should go in and play the game with right at the start. Yeah, it's not one of those games that takes you know an hour to learn and then tack an hour on for the expansion. It's, it's an easy game and you're adding one new element, but it's a great element.
Yeah, definitely wouldn't play the base game without the expansion. Now, there's a number of other expansions f for Quarriers, but I gotta say, of all the expansions we played, this is the best. What's also cool about the game is they have a new dice, the Squire dice, so he can accompany you on a quest, and he, like, boosts other creatures' powers. So I like that. I like the game Quarriers. I would have to rate it a play it, and probably a must buy, but with all the expansions, you know, it could add up for your wallet. So, I would say play it. Alright, so that's a play for all of us, and definitely check that one out. Yeah, and we mentioned, uh, I think last week we mentioned Smash Up, so we're going to go a little more in depth on that one. Chris, you've been playing that recently, right? Yeah, that's a great game. So we talked a little bit about it last week because High Command has similar kind of game mechanics for that. So if you never played Smash Up before, it's actually taking two random decks of cards, 20 card decks, and smashing them together, shuffling them together, and then you would be playing them on bases. So as the game starts, you'll pick or randomly choose different types of themes. So they have dinosaurs, they have zombies, they have ninjas, they have aliens, pirates, robots, a whole bunch of different genres that we all love. And you'll get to pick two of those, mix them together, and then what you have in front of you is different base cards. So it's, it's one extra base for the number of players playing. So if you have three players, you'll be playing with four different bases. And on each base card, there'll be a number. And when that number breaks, the person who breaks that, the first player, whoever had the most number of points on that card, will get the first position. Typically, that scores the most amount of points, and then lower, and then down to third, which is the lowest. Yeah, and basically it's every monster or creature will have a point value, and that total point value is what you need to reach or pass that to break that area. So if an area has an 18-point threshold, once there's 18 points or more of monsters, that's when it breaks, and you find out who wins it. Yeah, and each of the different races have different um, abilities that fit their themes. So robots, you can throw a lot of them on there really quickly. They multiply. They're usually low points, whereas dinosaurs are really on high points yeah. and big numbers that you can throw down in each card. And it's a, a number of different kind of ways to play. So pirates are kind of sneaky, and they come hit you at the end. Ninjas do have different techniques. But basically, you're, you're playing... Pretty much two actions. You're, you have, you're putting down a minion on a base, and you're playing an action. So that's it. A minion and an action. Now, you might have some cards that let you do multiple actions or play multiple minions, but to start with, you're playing those two cards. It's pretty simple, pretty quick, pretty cartoony, a lot of fun to play because you can play with a number of people. But basically, we found usually keep it to about four people. Four players, as far as the game's concerned. Um, otherwise, it gets a little out of hand trying to count up all the, the cards there. So you play the cards, you score the bases, the first person to 15 wins the game. That's as simple as it gets. Yeah. And it's you look at the box the first time, if you've no, never heard about it ever, and you think, this is the dumbest thing I've ever seen in my life, but then you play it once, and you're like, wow, it's a genius. Yeah, it suffers puzzle strike syndrome, where you look does. at the box and you're like, pass, and then you play it, you're like, why did I never play this before? Yeah. And when they start doing the expansions, you can see the kind of sense of humor of it just on the box already. Oh, yeah. Like the level 9,000 awesome, whatever they called it. What is yeah, it? the expansion for awesome level 9,000 for your uh, Dragon Ball Z fans. And the yeah. my favorite thing in that expansion was the bears. Like, yes, hands down, bears. my favorite card was Bear Rides You. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the bear cavalry is a favorite. Everyone kind of grabs for that, oh, too. Yeah, they're a little overpowered, but it's so much fun. Like, just 
sending in bears for no reason. Like, yeah, why not? Let's ride bears. Yeah, and, and sometimes, like, even your teams are pretty amusing. Like, I had zombie bears. <laughs> you know, there's two teams that you can imagine like, getting along pretty well, and the other was great was ghost dinosaurs. <laughs> but then, once again, very thematic. So the zombies, even when they get taken off the board, they go back to your discard pile, and they can come back on the board, come back from the dead again, which is fun. Yeah, and zombifying that bear cavalry was even better. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> now, some of the... Some of the smash-ups work a little bit better than others. I had one smash-up that was um, Ghost Plants. So <laughs> does not work. Does not work. So ghosts benefit by having very few cards in your hand, and plants benefit by having a lot of cards in your hand. So the whole game, I'm trying to add cards, take away cards. And you were stuck in the middle the whole way through. <laughs> I was. So my ghostly plants didn't know where to go. Yeah, so what would you guys say, you know, obviously the bears are awesome, but like if you're going to pick any two decks in the base game and expansion we'll throw them all in what would, oh, which two would you pick I, I mean I like the zombie bears I did go with them but I feel like steampunk bears is something I want to try next ooh steampunk bears pretty cool yeah, steampunk is pretty sweet I like that thematic a lot yeah, yeah I mean I, I think I've always played with some variant of bears I like ninjas a lot uh, I like the ability of just like you can place a guy down and kind of pull him up and place down a more powerful guy. Yeah, like the smoke bomb or something yeah. you did it a couple of times to me Yeah, and then there's another guy I think in there who you can throw down while you're scoring, so you can you can put a few points on there and pretend you're somewhere else, and when they go to score, you're like, bam, I get points. Oh, yeah, I, I remember that one too. That so, wasn't good. Into the nice. <laughs> yeah, the bell, the bear cavalry is definitely everyone's favorite. Um, I also enjoyed the uh, alien robot combination because the aliens they actually score points on their own, plus the robots you just keep throwing them out continuously as the game goes on. Yeah, robots chain really well. What about you, Kim? Oh, I feel bad. Uh, I do not like this game at all. I. You know what's weird is when we talked about the War Machine High Command game, where it's basically like Smash Up, it's controlling a location. I like that better than Smash Up. For some reason, the the theme of it, like, you know, ghosts and pirates and bears, for some reason it just doesn't interest me. I don't know yeah. why. I remember when we were playing, You, it seems like you were uh, having more fun just, like, destroying everyone else's plans and actually, like, you weren't getting into it too much, so was... she was using aliens and, like, doing the crop circles where it just removes everyone and puts a new land in the area. <laughs> well, what's weird is, I don't, like, I remember playing it, but I don't remember what I was playing. I was just, I all I can remember is, yeah, I played Smash Up. What were you playing? People? I don't aliens, know. Huh? I, I, it just, it didn't stick with me because... I don't think it's my kind of game. Yeah, I mean, it is all over the place, and some people that just doesn't work for them, you know? Yeah, I mean, I find that if I'm not in the mood for it, I have a lot less fun. There have been a couple times I've played, and I'm like, why are we doing this? It's just to play time. But if you're having, if you're a group of friends that you know having fun with it, and you're reading the flavor text and the cards, you know, Bear Rides You. It's yeah. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, like, one game I was playing, I had um, the Wizard Pirates. And, you know, somebody was watching the game, and they're like, oh, why are you those guys? And I'm like, oh, that's my team. And they're like, no, but I mean, why would they work together at all? Like, it was a little, I guess his mindset was a little too serious for a game like that. Yeah. So, you know, it's, like I said, it's not everyone's cup of tea. But yeah. the one thing that is nice is if you play three players, it's a little fast. Again, it's a, it could be a good filler for, a, like, you know, a three-player game. Yeah, it's a really quick game. It's definitely a random game in the uh, the new expansion coming out. Maybe you can grab Kim, which would be the, the obligatory Cthulhu expansion. Ooh. Ooh. Tentacles. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> I'm interested. Yeah. I was say, if it was the Ooh. obligatory Tento Bento expansion for that game, then it would be. <laughs> if it had anime, yeah, I might. Well, I might play it. But 
Tentacles. It has to have anime. Tentacles. An anime expansion actually could work for that. Could work really well. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> I can <laughs> plenty of anime stereotypes you can throw in there. You have to give us free copies if you do that. We call dibs. <laughs> <laughs> That's our idea. That's our idea. Copyright 2013 for Gamers Anonymous. <laughs> <laughs> so, what do you guys think rating wise? Well, I really like this game. Um, it's definitely a play for me. The expansions have been really a lot of fun. It's de- it's definitely a random kind of game, so depending on the combinations you have, you'll either do really well or might be a little bit stunted. So definitely play. See if you like it. If you do like it, you'll definitely kind of move up to a buy. Oh, I think you guys know what we're going to do. I'm either dodging it or burning it. Fair enough. <laughs> I, if you guys pull it out, I'll be like, yeah, I'll see you later. Go to McDonald's. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, for me, I think it's a game that's good to have in your gaming group. Um, it's a really good idea to push a friend to kind of buy that game. Maybe you'll pick up an expansion. <laughs> well, you can pick up an expansion to help on the cost, or if everyone throws in like 10 bucks together or something. Uh, it's not a must-buy, but it's a kind of it's kind of fun, different game. It's a little different type of feel, uh, filler game every so often, so give it a try. So we have a new rating. The make a friend buy. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> <laughs> I think I might actually go with that. I think yeah. I think I'm in the same boat. Like I'm not going to buy this game, but I would play it as many times as it comes out. So it's fun. It's funny. There are certain people though. If it came out, and not like that, there's anything wrong with these people. Just personality-wise, I know that it would not be as much fun. Yeah, it's so, a bad game to play with someone that's aggressive. Yeah, it doesn't work yeah, like, like that. Why are you taking my area? It's, it's part of the game, right? Yeah, <laughs> this is how we play. Also, these cards are ridiculous. So, or like someone who doesn't understand how. Two would go together, like dinosaurs and pirates. Yeah. Those are from completely different epochs. That doesn't make any uh, sense. How do the ghosts even talk to robots? I don't understand. <laughs> are they pirate ghosts or ghost pirates? Which one happened first? So yeah, that mismatchup. It's, it's a great game. If it comes out, play it. If you know, I don't know. I don't think any of us necessarily think you should buy it, but unless unless it sounds amazing, because it is, it does play like it sounds. And it's a quick game. It's a good filler game, something to throw together, and the combinations are kind of endless. Yeah, yeah and they're just going to keep pumping out expansions because it's crazy popular, and there's so many options. Another game we talked about last week or the week before was Poison, which is kind of a one of those trick-taking games that actually works, unlike those pesky, pesky oh, garden games. <laughs> Let's uh, not go down that path again. We're going to Dan's getting our rate. So. <laughs> He's having, purple, a, guys. he's having a known flashback. <laughs> PTSD. Vietnam. <laughs> Vietnam. <laughs> Pun cast strikes again. <laughs> but, Kim, you were playing Poison recently, right? Yes, I played Poison recently. Um, we actually got a version that um, came with these really nice cauldrons, like these thick cardboard cauldrons. So what we do is we place the red, blue, and purple cards on them. And then you have green cards, which are the poison cards. And I believe they're four points. They yeah, add... four points towards the cauldron, two points on scoring. Yes, that's right. And the scoring is a little weird. Like, I had trouble with the scoring because I'm not so well with the math. But um, it's great because when I sit next to somebody, like Chris... Whoa, Ooh. no, 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 don't sit next to me. No, 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 don't do that. I want to win. Why would you sit next to me? No. Don't hate the player, hate the game. <laughs> but you can screw somebody over so bad on it. Uh, you can just put down, like, a poison card on something that has, like, 13 on it. 
Wait. Yeah, so if it if it hits 13, then it's just about to break. So what a lot of times was happening was you're, you were filling each of the cauldrons up to 13, which meant that no matter what card I had, I had to take something. So that was always kind of tough. Plus, if you know someone's collecting a certain color and you throw a poison on it, then you know they're going to have to take the poison too, which is never a good thing. Yeah, I love this game. Uh... And I don't actually like trick-taking games generally. Like, and people look at me funny because they're like, "Oh, they're simple. They're easy. They're quick." I'm like, "I don't. I don't know. They just rub me the wrong way." But I like poison for some reason. I can't actually pinpoint why exactly. I think it's just because uh, I feel like I have a little more control over the math of it. I can think through it. And sometimes you get, you know, if there's enough people and it rotates the right way, you can get stuck taking cards three or four rounds in a row, but because you can just like load up on one color, if you're smart yeah. about it, you can really mitigate your score. It's, it's just always rough when it comes around to you, every cauldron has 13, it's about to break, there's a poison in each and every color, you, you're just staring at it. <sighs> it's like that old classic question, do you want it in the head or in the gut? <laughs> yeah, there are those rounds, and that, that's actually the one reason I don't like trick-taking games, is those moments. Uh, yeah, I feel like in this game you have just a little more control than some other games yeah. it's not it's not random at all so it's not like something like chronicle where it just feels like anything's gonna happen and you'll get whatever cards you get um but there are those moments yeah and they do suck game does take a little while too if you play to the full 50 points so yeah um i mean sometimes you play like lesser point scoring one of the things i like about it is uh it almost suffers like well not suffers but it has hanavi syndrome where it's like oh let's play again let's play again what do you mean it's been four hours it's, yeah. it's a very easy, you know, just, you know, small talk, like beer and pretzel style game where you don't even know how long you've been playing until you get hungry and realize it's dinner time. Yeah, and you're like, I came here to play five games today. We played one <laughs> exactly. that I've played 800 times before. <laughs> For some reason, I just keep getting the most points out of everybody. I just keep hitting the 24, 25 mark. I never go higher than that. I like cool from like twenty one to twenty five, and everyone's like, "Oh, I got three, I got ten. Yeah, the, the only twenty five. Th the only thing you gotta do is you gotta spread out your colors a little more, because I notice every so often you'll deadlock yourself into only having one color hand at the end of the game, where you'll have like five red cards, and you're just constantly picking up that cauldron. Because so people are like poison, poison, poison. I'm so because <laughs> when I first played it, I was like, "Yeah, I got the most points," and I was like, "Well, the most points loses." <laughs> I'm like, "Oh." Okay, I played that wrong, but every time I play it, for some reason, I just immediately go for the higher points, and I'm like, yeah, you got 25! You lose. Aww. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. It's <laughs> a counterintuitive games. <laughs> but it's a fun game. We've, we play with a huge bunch of people, different people every time, and everyone gets kicked out of it. It's fun like Parade. No. <laughs> <laughs> Going down that road again. Plus, the, the one other thing that's pretty good with Poison is, it's one of those games, if you break out and you're like, hey, you guys want to jump in for Poison? People will do it. It's a game that very few people turn down. Yeah, most people seem to know how to play it, or, I mean, it takes two minutes to yeah, teach. Yeah, one and hand and they're on. Yeah. I'm going to have to rate it a must-buy, and definitely play. Um, it's a good, like, you know, I would say party game, because you can get a whole bunch of people in it, so... I like that. Yeah, I'm a play on this. I wouldn't buy it, but that's because I don't like trick-taking games in general. I don't really feel the need to have one in my collection. Um, but I would play it. There's some games I avoid when they come out, and this is not one of them. So I enjoy it. So definitely a play for me. Nice. What about you, Chris? 
Uh, it's definitely a play for me, um, and I can actually see buying this game. It's I'm a, I'm a hearts player, so it's definitely something that kind of fits in the genre of games I play, and something you can play with family pretty quickly. Yeah, it's uh, we even brought this over to like other couples' house, like if we're going for dinner or something like that. You know, it's a pretty easy game to teach. And my favorite part is uh, we got three big cardboard cauldrons in the box that we got with it, and no coasters. So that's a huge <laughs> bonus. So for this, this was a good buy for us. Yeah. Or the really big coasters. Yeah. Good Halloween <laughs> for bowls coasters. of soup. Yeah. <laughs> soup coaster. Yeah, I like the Halloween coasters. <laughs> oh, so one more game I want to talk about, and somehow this is the only Fantasy Flight game on the podcast today for being reviewed. I'm not actually sure how that happened, but um, either, it's uh, Citadels. And uh, this is a game that I picked up not too long ago, so we've been playing it a little bit more frequently. Um, but it's it's you know it's one of those hidden role type games where you uh, everybody draws a role at the beginning of the game. There's eight of them in the deck, and then uh, depending on how many players there are, certain ones are removed at the beginning of the game, so you can't count the cards to see who everybody is. Um, each of the roles has a special ability, and they range from they're numbered, and then when they resolve, they're going to resolve in order by those numbers. But they range from, like, you have an assassin who can select any other character and kill them. He's the one. The thief can do the same thing, but they steal all the money. Um, there's the magician who can either exchange his entire hand of cards with another player, um, or... Uh, he can also discard his cards to draw that many new cards. That's right, yeah. Um, the king gets... Uh, one gold for every um, yellow district in a city. And you also get a first player marker. And you get to keep the first player marker. So there's often a little bit of fighting over the king. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Also <laughs> a lot of assassinating <laughs> of the king. So uh, he gets killed a lot, too. Um, the bishop's going to get gold for all the blue districts. And he's also very usefully immune to the uh, warlord, which in the warlord can be kind of a pain later in the game. Yeah, because the warlord, when you go, you can pay to destroy buildings. And in a game where the goal is to be the first one to build eight city district buildings, and then somebody's a warlord just taking you out, always stopping you at seven, it's a little hard to win. Yeah, yeah, so if you get, maybe you're getting close to winning, pulling the bishop every time makes sense. Um, the merchant, you're going to get extra gold for all your green districts, and you get uh, additional gold after you take an action. Uh, architect can draw extra cards, and he can build two districts in any given turn. And then the warlord, who is a jerk. <laughs> but, um... So everybody draws one of those. It's you draft it. So whoever starts gets to pick first, and then you draft around. Um, so there's a little bit of an element where you can kind of guess who has what based on where you drew it. But then again, there's always at least one that's been pulled from the deck, and sometimes more if you're playing with less players. Yeah, and that's face down. So only the first player is going to know who's not in that round. So that's another reason to covet that first player marker a little bit. It gives you that little bit of strategic edge. Because every time it goes down to another player, they have that many less guesses as to who's hidden and who picked first. Yeah, exactly. So it, you know, and sometimes I find that it makes sense to be the first player a lot, and sometimes it doesn't. Uh, it depends on where you are in the game, but and what your style of play is too. But basically, as you go along, you're going to build district cards with the gold you pull, and um, the uh, point of the game is to get eight district cards. There's various colors. Each of them has a different cost. And you get bonus points based on like if you're the first person to build all of different colors or if you have certain uh, types of districts. Yeah, if you're the first one to get the finished eight. Yeah. I don't think I've actually played this game where we went to eight because someone will pull out that building that ends the game at seven. The bell tower. Yeah. yeah. And everybody seems to be happy with that. 
Yeah, so. it works out pretty well. <laughs> yeah. But remember, the even when you build the eight buildings, it's possible to still lose the game if those buildings are very small point values. It's true. It's a victory point game, so it's not... I got there first. It's uh, it's all about getting enough points. Yeah, and then there's benefits if you get multiple colors, of one of each building, and then there's also the purple cards, which dramatically change the game, those wild cards. You You mean like the one where if you have the crown, you have to say... Thanks, Your Excellency, or else you lose your turn. Oh my god, that was so annoying. Oh, that was the best card ever. Oh, I had that card, and we went around, and everyone said it. Except for Dan. We were playing a game, and I had it. I had victory, and when I put the card down, I was so happy, and Chris shut me down. He's like, I'm we sorry, What did you not address me properly? That was so annoying. But it was the best because, it was the best because Kim and I were looking at each other, we're like, is, is he gonna? He's gonna say it. We're waiting. We're just like we actually paused we, to wait to Dan say it, and he didn't say it. If you would have like, looked yeah. up, you would have seen us just like waiting for it. <laughs> oh god, that was annoying. Then I got my money robbed the next turn <laughs> so I could finish it. Oh. It actually makes you feel like you're, you know, back then in a in a city with like thieves and kings and stuff like that it's awesome. Yeah. I like it cuz it's got this backstabby element, but you don't always know who you're backstabbing. You can kind of guess, but you're like I'm going to assassinate the king, but you don't necessarily know who the king is. And that's one thing that I like about the game. It's if you keep getting robbed or killed, it's actually more random. Like people will take it personally, but it's actually not cuz you're like you're killing a role, not a player. So if you have seven buildings, I have to hope I know who you're going to pick if I want to shut you down. So it's kind of a nice element for that. Yeah, and every now and then someone have like 10 gold out. You know, some huge amount of gold. And you're like, I want to rob that guy. Who is he? And you're <laughs> like, okay, it must be the bishop. And you're like, no, it's not the bishop because the bishop has no money. Damn, yeah. you know? <laughs> so it's, you can think you have a good strategy in place, but there is that random element of luck in there, which really makes the game, you know, it's more fun and then people don't get so mad. Yeah. <laughs> so I like this game a lot. I think it's a great you know, for any group of people, and it plays a lot of people, like seven. It right? plays up to eight, possibly. Yeah. And they like, actually they include the expansion, which has a number nine role for an eight-player game. Yes. That's right, yeah, the box comes with the uh, Dark City expansion, just packaged in. So. Yeah, you have the queen, which gives you that extra card, and then you have replacement cards for all of your normal roles. So if, for example, you don't want to play with the assassin, you can play with the witch card. So you know, you won't be able to kill another role but what you'll be able to do is kind of take their power. So there's kind of a little a softening of the roles. Or if you take it this, this way, it's a variant, which is really nice to play. So how many games can you say play with eighth people? It plays with different roles. You have different buildings. You have different actions. The components are really nice. Nice nice little um, gold kind of plasticky kind of tokens. Yeah, yeah. They're, um, they're plastic. They look kind of goldish, but they're not cardboard, and that's the important part. Yes. You're not getting cardboard chits. Although, again, I would always... Dan's got his gold coins with him. I was going to say... Playing the, with those. Yeah, the Muse Fable coins definitely work well for this game as well. Uh, like I said, the components... The coins were the only thing that I was looking at them and going, why do we get buttons? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a... And it's it's a small game, too. It packs up really nice and easy, and it's... You know, I don't actually remember the price off the top of my head. I think it's 25 Yeah, it's 25 And, um, I mean, I definitely recommend this is a great game to get at your local game store because it's something you can break out, learn very fast, and get a couple of people to jump on the game. But if your local game store doesn't have an in by chance, you can always jump online, check out Mini Market, cool stuff. You know, they always usually have them in stock. Yeah, it's fantastic. So I'm going to say buy it. Uh, I bought it. I've been playing it a lot lately. 
borderline addictive. Probably don't get it out enough for it to reach quite that level, but um, we could play it multiple times and I'd be totally happy with it. Yeah, this is definitely... I own this game. I've shown it to a lot of people. Um, my play of this has actually caused other people to buy it, so I'm pretty happy about that. So yeah, it does definitely have an addictive quality. Um, I haven't come across somebody who hasn't played it and then probably gone out and buy it afterwards. Like I said, you have that standard set of roles, which are really fun. Then you have those variant roles, which are fun. The buildings are pretty diverse. The only thing I would say is the card quality is a little weak, especially around the roll cards, because this is kind of a, car, a card drafting game. So those cards will be passed around. And since the cards have black borders, you really do see the little cracks, dents, and dings that happen to them. So you might want to sleeve those up. But otherwise, this is definitely an addictive game. I would say it's definitely a buy game. I mean, Fancy Flight, automatic endorsement. I always love their their products. But that being said, the fact that it's such an easy game to play, the victory point scoring is very easy to track. There's not huge numbers. Nobody's winning with a 95-point score. It's definitely a fun game. And if you can get those enhanced coin components, even better. But I would say it's definitely a must-buy. Yeah, I'd have to agree. It's definitely a must-buy. I, I, I like playing this game. And when Chris taught us to play it, that same day... Five minutes after he taught us, we just bought it because it was so much fun. And I like the whole randomness of it where you can play a game and be like, okay, let's play a game. Oh, look, this time I'm the king, you know. And first round when the assassin says, okay, I'm going to kill the king. And I'm like, shoot, now I can't play. Because when you're dead, you can't notify it, right? Is that how it works? Yeah, if you're dead. Dead, you don't. Yeah, you don't actually show your... Yeah, which is awesome. I like that, because it makes people think you're still in the game, but then you're not. So that is what's been on our table this week. Uh, next up, our in-depth review of the brand new uh, first game from Tom Vassell and Steve Avery, Nothing Personal. And now for the feature review. Alright, so this week we're looking at Nothing Personal. It's a game by Tom Vassell and Steve Avery. Now, I just gotta note, I wanted to hate this game. I wanted so bad to hate this game. You know, Tom Vassell runs the Dice Tower. He knows his stuff, no questions about that. But he's always, you know, looking at other games. He's down-talking components or just blowing past things. So when we got our hands on this, I was gunning to just tear this game apart. And what really surprised me the most was it was really fun. And the thing is, this game is actually a solid gameplay experience, too. When you go, there's going to be five turns, and in total, each turn has five different phases. It starts out with the commission. In the beginning of the game, everyone's going to get dealt four influence cards. You're going to be playing these cards to take control of different gangsters. You'll see that there's con men, there's hit men, there's gamblers, and then there's enforcers. Oh, I'm sorry, actually thugs. What you're going to be doing is you'll be playing a card. It might say place two influence on a thug and two on a hitman. Or another card might let you place three on any type of gangster. You're going to be placing these chips, and whoever has the most chips of their family on that gangster is going to be controlling them. As the turns go on, each person will be putting more and more chips to try to get control of the best people on the board. After three full rounds of playing influence cards, everyone's done and you move on to the crew phase. Now this is when you resolve the gangsters. During this point... Each gangster has special abilities, and his position inside the mob gives him abilities too. Like take for example, when you're the underboss, you get to draw an influence card. And the counselor, you get to place three neutral influence on any other mobster. So this way you can make deals too, going, hey Anthony, uh, you want to keep this guy? Well, if you don't give me any money, I'm going to put neutral on him, you're going to lose control. 
Now, the hierarchy goes all the way up to the capo. The capo is great because you get to wear the ring. Not only that, but you also get to break all ties. So you really do feel like a mob family boss. As you're going to work your way down, you're going to also be collecting respect, which is the victory point total for this game, and the cash. And now I got to say, the cash is great. It's these big, thick, chunky bills. I mean, they... I feel like about 10 of them in a stack is an inch thick. These components are top-notch. And the best part of the ring, it's actually metal. Now after that, you're going to go on to the fence. When you're in the fence phase, you're going to draw influence cards based on how many gangsters you control. What's nice about this mechanic is, if you're not in the lead, if you're slipping behind and you're losing control of gangsters, you're going to get to draw more cards. So you get a chance to catch up. From there, you go on to the feds. This is when gangsters that have the most notoriety are going to prison. So if everyone's gunning for the capo, and he has, let's say, for five players, 11 or more influence, he's going to jail. So what's nice is, it's not a constant fight for the same guy. You might be trying to go for the same positions, but people will be going to jail and changing up the board. Once somebody goes to jail, they're going to move away from the board into the prison area, and someone that's beneath them is going to move up. And again, the thing that gives you that nice monster feel, based on which spot they're going to, is who decides what does it. So you may be the capo, but whoever becomes the enforcer is decided by the underboss. So even though you're the capo, you don't get to make all the decisions. So everyone gets to feel a taste of power. Then from there, you go on to the family. This is when you're filling all the empty spots and new monsters are making it to the board. So what's nice is it's an ever-changing field and you're not just constantly sticking to the same areas. Once that's done, you're moving that turn marker down to bookkeeping. What's nice about this game, too, is it's not just a little tracker going along. You're actually leaving these marks on the bookkeeping to know that turn one is done. You're going to break out the next check mark. You're going to go down these turns again. The play is really simple and quick, and it's a really fun game. Now let's see what everyone else has to say about nothing personal. Okay, so yeah, I mean, I was in the same boat as Dan when I first saw this game. I wanted to dislike it based on nothing I'd ever read or seen about it. I mean, the only thing I really knew about it was a game that uh, involved a lot of backstabbing and interaction on a level that could uh, make some people angry. This is what I'd heard. <laughs> a little bit. A little bit angry. Um, so that's what I was coming in with. And there's some games like that that I don't like because they're not funny. You know, they're, they're not... You need that humor. You need the ability... The game needs to carry it along. It can't just be like, yeah, you're literally going to stab each other in the back for an hour and a half and then good luck talking to each other tomorrow um this game manages to meld all that really well together um and one more thing too that we you know we mentioned is there's these really nice um family cards that you get at the beginning of the game they're sitting in front of you and they basically have all the information you need on them uh in terms of actions you can take throughout the game that are not listed on the cards so you can make a move which basically means if you control one of the gangsters on the board uh and you want to move up and there's arrows on this board, so it shows you where you can move. Um, and in situations where you're filling a space, it'll tell you who fills that space, who decides who fills that space. But if you're making a move, you can go anywhere that that arrow points from your from your slot. So if you're, say, in the, um, the first, first guy, guy slot. slot, you can move up to the uh, enforcer slot. It's right above it. Um, and basically what you're going to do is you're going to roll the black die, and you're going to add the... Uh, the respect to the mobster you are... And you have to beat the respect of the mobster you want to become. So if you're moving from the first guy to the enforcer, the enforcer is a six-value spot. Yeah, so if you had, say, 
uh, three respect on that character card, you'd need to roll a four to get it up there. Um, and then the black die is going to have it's 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 numbered and it has a um, uh, a ring for the six. If you get the six, you get automatic success. Um, if you win, you get four respect, and you're going to move up. The person that you targeted loses four respect. So it's not just hey, I'm moving up and maybe I'm getting more points. It's I'm hurting this person. And I like the fact that the kappa ring is the critical hit on that dice. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. <laughs> and the critical failure is the uh, the knife. Yeah, which was bad. Which means you lose. Um, if if you roll the knife uh, on a fail roll, then you automatically lose and you're killed. So that's not good. Okay. Yeah. At least your character's killed. Your character's yeah. killed. I mean, we're not going to take you out back. Um, <laughs> the, You'll be sleeping with the fishes. Yeah. <laughs> or at least your, uh, your, your mafia stereotype will be. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that character's gone. Um, the whacking a gangster is, of course, you know, sleeping with the fishes. You're going to take them out. Uh, it's the same idea as the uh, making a move, except this time you're getting a red die. Uh, it has... A bunch of symbols on it. There's like all combat symbols like knives, yeah. and guns, and there's a handgun, two handguns. There's I think a Tommy gun. Yeah, <laughs> and it's the same idea. You roll. It's uh, you have to roll high enough on that die. I think it's um, the top four. If, if you if you equated them to numbers, you have to roll it three through six. Yeah, it's basically a two out of three chance. Yeah, so like summoner wars, if you're trying to hit. Yeah. Um, if you roll the knife again, your character dies. But the cool thing about the game is that you can re-roll any die at any time with ten bucks. And what's really nice about it is any player can do that. So you're trying to kill me, I can pay 10 bucks to make you re-roll. So you can basically buy a second chance at life. Or let's say you're taking out Chris. Chris goes, hey, Dan, I'll give you a couple of my influence cards if you keep me alive. I can pay to force you to re-roll even though I'm not involved in what you're doing. Yeah, so we had a couple times, I think yesterday, was it? Chris was trying to roll something. And we just poured money into it. Yeah, he was trying to kill me. Yeah, that's right. He was trying to kill you. It was like eight rolls, right? Yeah. And, and everybody just dumped all of their cash in it. You used up your money on the couple times he actually got it. Yeah, and I mean, now, there's one thing we just got to address in this game. There is a mechanic in this game that I love and a lot of people can easily hate. This is a game where you can make deals, threats, promises at any given time, and none of them has to be followed through. All you're doing is making enemies if you don't. But he can be like, Chris, I will give you $20 to kill Anthony. Done! He kills you. Where's my money? What money? And it's completely legitimate in this game. So people were making deals to murder me and then not following through because I survived. <laughs> the only thing, though, is with the blackmail, if you tell somebody to murder them, they have to, which I think is awesome. Yeah, and which is another great thematic thing. There's a blackmail coin that you can drop on somebody where if they do not fill the condition that you state, they don't get to perform the action only via blackmail. Any other time, eh, somebody's only as good as they word. Yeah, yeah. There's a variant too. We're just reading this in the book where you can make all deals binding. If you if that makes you uncomfortable, the whole like yes, no, just screw with you. You can change it where everything's binding. Now pass on that. Man. Yeah, it's just <laughs> more traditional that way. It's just you know something you're playing with. Uh, I don't think that would be as much fun. And you know, and honestly, it didn't really happen that much. Maybe two or three times per game, because really, you're setting yourself up to get stepped on a lot if you start back, you know, yeah, I'll make this deal. And I'm just kidding. And nobody's going to make a deal with you anymore. Yeah, and I mean, the best thing is, uh, Chris at one point made a deal with me where I would give him an influence card for 10 bucks. Normally you sell them for 8 
and you can bind them for 10 during the fence phase. Chris offered me $10 for one of my cards because it was very beneficial to him. I was like, all right, cool. And I hand him the card. And then he just looks at me and goes, yeah, I'm not paying you for that. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, like, that's one of the things that I absolutely love about this game. Normally, that's a mechanic that I feel like would bother me if it was something a little more serious. But this game is just, and it's weird because it's monsters, but it's so playful with that theme. You know, like, I mean, take, for example, anyone that gets killed in the game, it actually says, sleeping with the fishes. <laughs> you yeah, know? It's pretty fantastic. And then the cards themselves, we should talk about the cards. Um, the vast majority, if not all of them, are game designers, people in the game board gaming industry. Podcasters. Especially. Oh, yeah, absolutely. This is a love letter to the industry. And so it's a lot of fun to see all these people that, you know, we all know and you all know, you know, dressed up as monsters and lounge singers and... Uh, politicians what happened in the 20s you know and it's great because it's so thematic like eric summer is eric the voice summerino <laughs> and uh, another great one is uh tom vassal is tom the insane vaselini and of course one of the other great ones is the other game designer steve avery is steve avaroso and he like what's great is even the mobsters have their own unique powers so, take for example, Steve, Steve Avaroso, he can steal four respect from another player. So if he's the underboss, when you get to choose what you want to do with him, if you control him, you can draw an influence card or steal four respect. And that's when the threats start flying. We were making crazy deals when we were playing this game. I had one monster who let me get four respect and I had to give two to another player. I used him every turn and Anthony every turn was doing me a favor because he was climbing in that respect. Yeah, and it didn't really work out for me in the end either, though, right? Because you just kind of surged past me at the end. Oh, yeah, I stole that victory totally. Sitting in the, the wings, man. There's one thing, too, about this game is we've played twice, and nobody wearing that capo ring has come close to winning this game. I tell you, man, that, that ring might as well just go with Frodo, because that thing is cursed. Yeah. yeah. There's something about front-running. You just make yourself a target. And I, Which is true about Mafia to begin with, because the, the capo is always, always a target. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, it's just... Again, I, I can't stress how fun this game is, which almost makes me angry that it's so fun. It's the only game I want to play now. There's so many great things on the horizon, and I want to play this game again. And it did go a little long. Our first game was almost like four hours because we were just laughing and making deals and backstabbing, massive accusations. There was more accusations in that game than a werewolf. Like yeah. people were just like there was a lot of yelling. It was, it was <laughs> from people who do not normally yell. Yeah, exactly. So you basically get to play your best. Or your 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 most dramatic, uh, either depending on how you take it, your Italian American <laughs> Italian American stereotype or mafioso stereotype, and the artwork on the cards are cartoony, so it doesn't have that dramatic feel to it. And the group we played, we played with five people, and everyone got a chance to really you know ham it up a little bit, and especially our friend Mike, who was like, yeah, maybe you don't want to make that deal, maybe that deal doesn't really work for you, so. Everyone got a lot of fun out of it. Um, there was a little anxiety, a little tension about, I don't know how I feel about this, because he has a lot of deals, a lot of backstabbing, but... Yeah, that was one of the greatest things. Uh, Anthony went to kill Mike, and Mike just looked at him, comments me, and go, maybe that's not in your best interest. Maybe the deal can be worked out between us. And Anthony's like, I'm here to kill you. <laughs> that and me and Chris... You have no leverage right now. <laughs> I have the gun, you don't. <laughs> And the, another thing that I loved was me and Chris had a little bit of an alliance because we were getting trounced in the beginning. As soon as Chris was distracted, Mike turns to me and goes, 
maybe a deal can be worked out because this alliance is not beneficial to you. Maybe something else should be done between us. It w- I couldn't believe how great it was. I and mean, everyone was just getting into it instantly. You know, like, even when somebody was behind by 20 points, and that's one other thing that I'm actually really impressed with this game, you can be getting wrecked in the first two turns and make a wild turnaround in mid-game. Just because somebody's in the lead by 10, 15, 20 points doesn't mean they have the game in the bag, which is usually the case with a lot of victory point games. But that being said, you do have to have the right players for this game. It is pretty dramatic switch-wise, you know, wise, and you, you definitely want to play into the game and have fun with the game. We had, some, we had different players playing the game with us, and everyone was different backgrounds and coming to the game. And each of us kind of felt a little bit differently, but we all enjoyed it. We all came around to the game by the end. Yeah, I mean, uh, it, it is just unbelievable fun. Now, one other thing that blew me away is when we picked up this box, this thing was like 20 pounds, man. It was heavy as could be. I thought it came with a free brick. You know? <laughs> the one thing that is just so impressive is Vassal always talks about components. So we could not wait to see what they were like. And the components in this game are top-notch. The cards look great. Like, the character cards? <laughs> yeah, it comes with these metal coins that... Just they're heavy. There's only ten. It feels like thirty. The character cards, great quality. It looks like photos on top of a wanted sheet. The symbols are clear, really easy to see. There's a color coding to the characters that matches up. So all the thugs are purple. All the hitmen are blue. Now let's say somebody has a hitman and a thug. It's actually split in half color, almost like the magic cards that are dual color. And the other great thing again. I know it sounds weird that I bring it up, but I found out recently a friend of mine is colorblind. The symbols on the top, it's not just a color-coded game, so it's very easy to see. And one other thing is each house gets their own chips with their own symbol. You get a cardboard box that has your meeple and their fat meeples, which is even better, and your influence tokens in it. That box you also get to use in-game to keep your money in, so you get to hide your money from other players. So at one point, Kim made a deal with me, and she's like, oh, well, I only have $4. And then she broke out another 10 to buy a card. And then she broke out 10 again to play another card. It's like, how much do you have in there? And she's like, oh, but I only got $2 left. And then immediately did another 5 It was so fun, like, having those hidden moments. It's, it's just unbelievable quality in this game. The only slight nitpick I got is the respect track at the bottom. The fat meeples are great and thematic, but they're almost a little too big to stack on top of the victory markers. It's you gotta kind of lay them flat to really know where they're where they are and where they should be, and it's very easy to misplace them. If you get a slight tap on them, they can slide over from 54 to 43 very easily. Yeah, actually, especially you're gonna have times where you're gonna have more than one meeple on a point score. They don't fit together on that spot, so then you have to kind of try to find a way to lay them and. Definitely, even the slightest tap kind of throws them. Yeah, yeah, and it's a two-hour game that could run long. So, and there's only five times of the game where you're really gonna be playing a lot with that track. So there could be 30 minutes between scorings at times. You could easily bump it and not remember that you bumped it or where your score was. So, score track, yeah, it's an issue. And also with the board, you're gonna with the board creases. There's some information that's really important, and I and I can see as as you play many times, you could lose some of that information. Yeah, no, Kim. One thing you noticed about this game was it actually had a bit of a rata online, like a day one launch that a couple of things were misprinted or rules update. Yes, the game board has some misprints, and they gave us stickers 
that fixed the capo and the second man. Also, I saw on Board Game Geek that some of the rules are a little bit fluky. So, stuff like the blackmail coins and uh, what certain people do on the board, it's um, not clearly explained in the rules, so it's good to check up online on them. Cool. Yeah, I mean, it's a first run, so hopefully they'll fix that in the future prints. Yeah, and we got those stickers from Paul, from the store owner at Myriad, so if you... They're not going to be in the box necessarily, at least not in the print we had. So um, if you don't get that from the store you buy it from, make sure you ask. Yeah, it's an, I mean, that was one of the things that was great. This is actually another one of the games on the Game Salute list. So we played it at our local Myriad Games where we picked it up on GameShare. And it quickly evolved from a GameShare to a buy for me. I mean, these components are top-notch. and uh, I mean, by the way, speaking of Game Salute, they also have Dan Smiley Yarrington in the game. <laughs> So if you love Game Salute, you can always make sure he's one of your guys. And if you hate Game Salute, you can always just go straight for the Hitman and try to take him out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, the bottom line for me in this game is it is just top-notch. I had so much fun with it. And the thing that really amazed me is I won. I won two games. Yeah, this you're a natural at this. I mean, I'm not surprised at all based on the style of game that we're dealing with here. but Yeah, no, it's, it's, I'm no longer getting the Simmons spotlight. It's, yeah. it's a nice little change. Yeah. Well, you said it great last night. You're like, this game involves selling yourself and your lies, basically, to everybody else. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> and, and it's also pretty fun pitting people against each other, and the second anyone turns on you, you immediately make a deal with that guy that you pitted against him in the first place. Yeah, and they always go for it. Yeah. And, it's, then, and then the rest of us are like, wait, wait, no, 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 no. He's, he's getting in your head. Yeah, that and uh, the other thing is my goldfish-like memory worked against me where after Chris, you know, stole the cash from me, turn later, I'm like, oh, how about we have a clean slate? I'll let you have this for $2. I'm like, wait a minute, what am I doing? <laughs> and he's like, no, 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 $2 is good. And then sure enough, I took it. Like, I didn't even think twice. Yeah, but you forgot the fact that you took my influence off and gave that, that uh, mobster to Kim. I don't even know what you're talking about. I, I didn't... Goldfish? <laughs> Put a nickel in the bucket. I kind of like that, actually. Dan the goldfish. <laughs> got the hair for it, so. Oh, man, if only, if only that was a stretch goal. <laughs> But yeah, now, uh, I mean, I absolutely love this game, and it is top-notch fun across the board. The only thing that could be a danger about this game is somebody getting their feelings a bit hurt. It is very easy to picture somebody taking this game the wrong way. I mean, we lucked out. We all had a fun and a blast together. We were laughing, we were making jokes, people were getting into the roles, and it, I mean, once that ring went on somebody's hand, they were the capo. <laughs> but and if you did not cooperate... <laughs> That was one Problems of my favorite. <laughs> Maybe this isn't in your best interest to do this. <laughs> but the one thing is, it's also pretty easy to imagine this being a game where like somebody gets a little hurt, takes it a little too personal. That I mean, even though the game is giving you a little bit more of an advantage if you're not controlling the mobsters, you could feel that you're being targeted if someone else places influence on your guy. I mean, even though that's the point of the game. So one other thing we were thinking about is having a little discussion about... You know, how to make sure that your gaming group knows that you're not being targeted, if somebody's feelings are a little hurt, how to help them realize that this is not what you're setting out for. Because you want to keep your gaming group happy, because as people leave, everyone else starts to feel a little on edge, your gaming group gets cut down, and that's not what anyone there goes for. So I was just curious about what are some techniques that you guys view as a good way to let everyone know that, even though the name of the game is nothing personal, that it really is nothing personal, and to embrace a little more of the fun of the games that they play. I think it's important that you use language that fits with the game 
and that you actually do go ahead and play the character. So that kind of gives you a sense of we're playing a character, we're playing out a game, it's not personal. Also, when you're talking about killing another person, you're not talking about killing the person. You're talking about killing that character, killing that card. It's not you, Dan. It's that card. That card's giving you points. So that if you keep up with that language, at least even even at an indirect level, they won't know it's, it's not against them. It's just against that card that's doing some damage to them. So if you keep it in that realm, it doesn't become, quote-unquote, so personal. Yeah, and I'm, I'm going to, you know, you build off that and say that if you're going to stay in character you should play as that character where it makes sense what you're doing um so don't go chaotic neutral basically especially in a game like this where you can be like i'm just gonna just kill as many people as i can or i'm just gonna make sure everybody goes to jail or i'm just gonna mess with that guy because in the first round he messed with me when it really has no benefit to you at all um and sometimes it can be fun to mess with somebody a little bit but once if you go off the rails to a certain degree you can really push their buttons to a point where they're like okay this isn't about the game anymore and then it does become personal. Yeah, and I mean, uh, what you were saying before about like the focus of the game, that's one thing I think is important too. Even if somebody's getting beat up on, you got to remind them that even if they're not going to win this game, like a lot of people when they realize they're not going to win, just kind of shut down on the game. And that's when they go, okay, well, I'm not winning this anymore. Now I'm going to destroy it for you. I'm going to try to ruin your buildings and make you lose as many points as possible. Even if another player is going to win, they just don't want you to win for some reason. Because you took out one of their buildings or killed one of their guys earlier. A good idea is to let them know that even if they can't win the game, try out a strategy that you would normally view a little too reckless. Or try a new pattern or something. This way they can have something to build off of. This way they still get to experience the game and get some more plan and more strategy on their side. Instead of just shutting down and destroying what they set out to do in the first place. Because if you're not playing to win and you're not playing for fun... You're not playing the same game as everyone else at your table. You want everyone to be on the same page. So if you're not going to cinch it, it's not the worst thing in the world. I mean, no one is gonna, you're not getting personally hurt if you're going to lose. And unless winning brings you so much joy that that's the only fulfillment you have, there's no reason you should take the loss so great. Yeah, especially in a game like this where it's so, you know, it helps you so much stay in character. Everything is so thematic, you know. It's easy, especially when you toss on that ring or throw down one of these coins, to you know just really fall into that obligatory Italian stereotype, <laughs> and it makes it more fun. And if you stay in that, if you know even if you're losing the game, you can keep from taking it again, taking it personal. And as Dan said, you want to have the memory of a goldfish. Yeah. You want to play that turn where you're going to take a card, steal a card, play an action, send somebody to jail, and then just like, hey, that was kind of funny. Now I don't remember what happened next. Let's go on to the next turn. So try to enjoy the game the experience each turn and not really worry about the final results. The game is about having fun. Yeah, and I mean, one of the other things too is um, you also got to like, even if you're losing, embrace the fun of the other people at the table. Um, take, for example, when we were reviewing High Command, it was me, Ki Chris, and Kim in a game, and I was getting destroyed. And at the end of the game, when we were counting out our victory points, I had 14. Chris had 47. I was like, well, that was a blowout. Because in most of the combats, it was either me versus Kim or me versus Chris. So I was kind of like, well, maybe they hate the game and they want me to hate it too, so I never ever suggest playing it again. But Kim actually stole the victory at the end of that with 53 points, which was amazing. And seeing how happy she was that she won, because Chris is very good at strategy games. 
Nine times out of ten, if it's a victory point or a Euro style, Chris is either going to get first or second because he's definitely got the mindset for that. He's usually two steps ahead of everyone at the table. So for Kim to get that victory and seeing how happy she was over that, like, I didn't care that I lost by that much anymore. It was great to see her pull through and actually, like, you know, steal one from the king, basically. So, you know, that's one of the things to keep in mind. Like, you can't view it as in, like, I lost. you got to view it as in, like, oh, my friend won. So that makes it a little better. Yeah, I mean, the first game we were playing, I think you and I were sitting there when everybody else was doing their turns, and I was saying, this game's a lot of fun to watch other people play. Oh, yeah. (laughs) You know, and it's like, you know, I think the other three weeks ago we talked about Gloom, which the whole game tries to make you, oh, you're telling a story, so everybody's involved, and it just dies out really fast. This game doesn't even necessarily have those storytelling elements, but it's so thick with theme that you're just, you're in it the whole time, and you're constantly arguing back and forth and using the accents and threatening (laughs) each other and making references to old movies. It's just, it's a lot of fun that way. Yeah, that being said, you definitely want to manage the game group that's coming to play this game. Uh, If you know there's a game player that gets a little too intense or is a little too sensitive, you may want to introduce the game pretty slowly, walk them through a turn so that they know what to expect. And then there's a lot of player interaction. So there is a lot to manage here. You're managing different relationships. You're managing the mobsters you have. You're managing your money. So there is a lot to keep track of. So it may, the game may not be for everybody. You definitely want to find the right group. Um, on the back of the box, it does give you a warning. This is not a co-op game. This is a game where you're going to be playing against each other. But it's really trying about having the experience. And I think we really enjoyed probably most trying our um, mob, mafia stereotypes voices and things. So that was a lot of fun. I don't win at too many games. And I'm fine with that because when it comes to board games, I just play it for the fun of it. Like, for the nothing personal game, I didn't quite get it when I was playing it. It was a little too confusing for me. But I saw everyone else having fun, so, like, I was trying to get into it more. It was a little hard, but I was trying to get into it more, you know, having a little bit of fun, trying to screw over Dan. But then I felt bad for doing it, so I tried not to screw anybody else. But when it comes to, to board games... If I see people having a fun time, and if it's a game that really piques my interest, then I'll, I'll just enjoy playing it. And that was one thing that was definitely a blast about this game. Like, you actually did really good. You came back really strong towards the end of the game. You climbed a lot of points quick. Because we saw at one point you started going, oh, well, if I'm not going to get it, it doesn't really matter. But then you got into it a little more, you gave it your go, and that really actually changed things around. You almost doubled your points towards the end, and I think you even ended up taking, like, second place or something, which was no. really nice. No, I got third place. He got second oh, place. Oh, yeah, he had a few bucks left in that box, the hidden account. <laughs> I, I, used, I used up all my money for his for Chris's rolls. Because you wanted to be murdered. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And then I felt bad after that. I was That's like, why you, oh. I got all dog bells, so I got four cards at the end, which is... Three points. Well, remember, so, yeah. we're not—we weren't killing Dan. We were just taking out one of his characters. All I know is you can't take out Dan Corleone. <laughs> Podcast. I would have to read it. Uh, a must play. I don't know about a buy, but I definitely think that people should at least try and play this once. See how they think. Yeah, I, I would say buy. I mean, for me, I don't. You know, I don't even like necessarily these kinds of games very often. You know, I enjoy them with the right people, but I don't get as excited, say, for example, for, you know, a game like Battlestar with the trader mechanic, or, you know, I definitely don't like games like Cutthroat Cavern, 
Yeah, this was like the first gotcha game I ever saw you play, actually. Yeah, because it's not that I don't like them necessarily, I just generally avoid them, because maybe the group's not right, or I'm not in the right mood for it. And I'll be honest, at first I played this because we were going to review it. And then when you wanted to play a second time, I'm like, heck yeah, I want to play this again. That was really fun. So it's it kind of snuck up on me. I really didn't expect to like it. I expected to play it and review it and probably not like it all that much and be okay with that, but I honestly like it a lot. Like, if I was going to own one gotcha game, this would be it. Kingpin Chris? <laughs> <laughs> so, the one thing about this game is, is it definitely plays better with the, with more people. So, if you can, play with five. Yeah, yeah. You definitely want to have that really kind of communal kind of feel to the game. And when we we played we played four and we played five. Five, I felt played a lot better, um, especially at certain points. You're going to kind of team up at moments, and it if they're two the two top players are teaming up together, the other two are kind of lost a little bit. So having that extra person in there to kind of break up the you know the people who are kind of head head leading the game is always a good a good option. Yeah, like because um, in a four player game, it usually does become a two on two at times. But in the five-player game, nobody wants to be that odd man out. So they're going to offer better deals. Or it's like, oh, I'll give you five bucks. I'll give you two influence cards and ten bucks. All right, cool. I'm in. There's <laughs> definitely a lot more willing to deal in it. And that game went a lot longer. Oh, like, yeah. That was like four hours with the extra player. Yeah, but I feel like two hours of it was just laughing nonstop over the bad jokes. Yeah, I mean, we weren't rushing it at all. It was <laughs> it was, it was, pretty funny. And the last like round or two, we, I think we rushed through yeah. to finish it up because it was getting late. But it's, uh, yeah, like, like you're saying, Chris, with five players, it was... Um, not a different game, but the way you interacted with people is a little different because you knew at any point, no matter what you did, if you aligned with somebody, somebody else is going to, you know. Oh yeah. You're always you're creating an alliance by building your own. Absolutely. So I would recommend it with five players. I think it plays best with five. I really can't see playing with three. I don't know. We haven't had a chance to play with three yet, but yeah, five players. Especially it's it makes it more of a party game where you're not really feeling so directed. Which is if it's only three people. So I would I would definitely try out for a play. You have to make sure that you have the right group of people to play this with. If you don't have five to play this with to have that right personality, it may not be for you. So play with some friends, try to find the right group, and then if you couldn't find the right group, buy it. Yeah, I mean, uh, like I said it's for me. It's so hard to find a criticism on this game. I mean, I'm trying, man. It, like, what the coins are too heavy? That's perfect. They, the only downside is. Once you put all the components back in the box, it doesn't quite fit perfectly. The victory track point keeper could be a little bigger, but it's such minute things compared to the fun of the game. I mean, Tom Vassell and Steve Avery actually really surprised me with this. I'm really impressed. Uh, I'm hoping he's making another game, and this way that'll be maybe bad, and I can finally get my digs in, but to me, this is a must-buy. It's tons of fun, and definitely in the, one of the greatest five-player games I can find. Okay, so that's our review of Nothing Personal. Hope you enjoy it. This is Anthony. This is Chris. This is Kim. This is Dan. And until next time, we'll save you a seat at the table.